Weekend Variety Wireless. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the Weekend Variety Wireless, the Sunday edition, the second to last, seven after eight o'clock. Uh, coming up uh, later this evening, read me a poem. Uh, the damn thing's still going, and it's actually proving to be quite popular. George Henderson's got tons of views, or listens. Uh, Chris Matthews of the Headless Chickens, he did an album, um, a solo album, well, it's called Chris Matthews and the Robot Monkey Orchestra, um, entirely using the words of Dylan Thomas, and you can't see the joins. It doesn't sound shoehorned in, and it's a beautiful thing. So I thought I'd invite him to just read us a favourite poem and tell us why. And will it be Dylan Thomas or not? That'll be around about the 10.30 mark. Spoken word and music, there's tons more to be gone through. Grant Smithers and myself will wheel through that stuff after 11 o'clock. Something from the archives tonight, because we can, and you may not get another chance to hear it, Ayan Hirsi Ali, she's an apostate from Islam and she has serious death threats because of her outspokenness. Uh, her colleague was shot and then stabbed in the chest with a note on it saying, you are next, go try it. She can't, that was Theo van Gogh when he was shot and stabbed. I'm looking at Tamar, hi Tamar. Hi. Uh, yeah, Ayan Hirsi Ali uh, remains outspoken, so, man, she's one of the bravest people on the planet. I think she was supposed to come to New Zealand. That didn't happen due to undisclosed reasons. Oh, my word. I hope it's not security um, or a lack of courage. If little girls of seven, eight years old cannot be protected by British law, then you start to wonder what exactly is racist. If little, the genitals of little white girls were being cut off, there would be enormous outrage. But they just... So this, this shyness and this self-imposed embarrassment about, oh my goodness, if we protect human life from true suffering, then we will be thought of as racist once you think through that logic, then you come to the conclusion that by doing nothing, you're being worse than racist. In many ways, you're actually being complicit. I am Hirsi Ali, her conversation with myself around about the 9.30 mark. Um, she was brought up in Somalia uh, as Muslim woman, woman and was uh, the victim of female genital mutilation as well, so she knows what she's talking about. Ah, have a nice day, cheery stuff, but she's, man, she's courageous. Don't miss. All right. What grievance are we up to? I think it's 172, isn't it? Grievance number one. 72172A very hard to find a decent steak and kidney pie these days because people are going off awful they just don't like the idea of a steak and kidney pie it's a, it's a great it's a tradition yeah no they are off awful yeah oh it's a kidney things go wheeze through kidneys and so people freak out about it oh. livers too yeah livers are great um, I don't mind if you don't like offal, but it doesn't mean because you, you don't like it, we can't have it. Where's a good steak and kidney pie? Mm. Apparently Lumsden has a cracker. Oh. But um, I'll have to pick one up on route through Central. All right, but grievance properly. 
number 172 today. Have you noticed that people are squeamish about even saying the word dead or died? It's been replaced with this tiptoeing around passed away. Mm. People no longer die, they pass away. I don't know where to, but it's one of these uh, phrases that is used because the person reporting said event feels as though um, it's just too hard to say that somebody died or it might hurt somebody's feelings. Uh, For goodness sake, um, either somebody died or they didn't, and I think that's rather um, more affecting than hearing the word died instead of passed away. So many people pass away. Mm. And it's all, it's pass, here's a little compilation of passing away. And my nana that's passed away. And my partner's dad passed away. Yeah, my dad passed away when I was about six years old. My mum um, passed away uh, two years ago. Liz Munro passed away peacefully in Tauranga. Okay, uh, sympathies for all those people, but it has always passed away. But is passing away dying? Because I found an absolute cracker. I think it's self-explanatory. Now, three of her children, Hungar, Medit, uh, as well as Bol, passed away and died as a result of an accident. They passed away and died as a result of an accident. So I don't know what he's talking about there, but I think you will notice this and the died will become a word non gratis uh, in the future. So, there you go. I think that's all I have to say with regarding grievance number 172, passed away. <laughs> all right, media stick with Tamamunk coming up next. Good hope, good evening. The Weekend Variety Wireless. You're mad for shaggy though, aren't you? One of the frustrations of life is never finding precisely the pornography you want. Well, it's true. TK, face picked up an ED? I don't want to get to the questions of this in case we miss them. TK. Hi, Tamara. Hello. Uh, it's the end of the world, uh, December the 9th, 2018, <laughs> as we've reached some pretty peak ridiculousness. Yeah, we've reached peak 2018 at the very least. Peak and outrage. Peak outrage and just peak bloody nonsense. Really, isn't it? It is. Um, we may as well bang straight into it, shall we? Tuck, yeah, tuck. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. This is Tucker Carlson from Fox News giving the lowdown on the ridiculousness. Sorry? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Mm. Okay, another thing. A Minnesota mm. State University professor tweeted this week that Mary the Virgin could not have consented the conception of Christ and that God was behaving, therefore, in a, quote, predatory manner. That professor, whose salary is paid for by taxpayers, also tweeted himself decorating a Christmas tree with satanic ornaments. Have you taken mm. any of his classes, Mark Stein? <laughs> no, and, and the reason is this is the thing that this is because 50 years ago this kind of shallow banality would have been the province of a drunk undergraduate at three in the morning. Um, I, I mean, basically the idea that, that God uh, has gotten the Virgin Mary back to his pad and she's saying, I really must go, and he's saying, oh, baby, it's cold outside and uh, put some records on while I pour. I miss the days uh, when atheists 
lobbyists uh, were at least intelligent enough uh, to take seriously what they were porting to knock down. It does sound like a bit of a desperate grab for the ultimate hashtag me too, isn't it? God's going to be suffering the outrage now. Well, the funny thing is that I wouldn't normally be in agreement with um, Tucker Carlson and Mark Stein, and obviously they're coming at it from a slightly different point of view, yeah. which is, you know, the atheist professor and over-liberalisation, etc., etc. Yeah. But, come on. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I think people learn in life, um, that someone who you dislike can actually say something that is right. Yes. Um, and that you agree with. Yeah, and that, you know, somebody's taken the time to write a thesis or an essay or whatever it is about the f arguably fictional tale of the of a mm. god impregnating... Yeah. Oh. Gabriel turns up, this is how the story goes, and tells her, oh, by the way... Um, you're up the duff with uh, the son of God. Mm. Yeah, so, well, they're all making stuff up, but I, I don't know where we go with Maybe that. Maybe that was like, you know, um, those terrible stories of, of young women who've been raped on campus after, you know, being drugged or being too drunk, and then they get it gets told to them after the fact. It's a little bit like that. Mm. I mean, I take their point, but cheapest. Yeah. Come on now. It is scrambling. God um, and me too. So that's where we've got to, is that God is now in the same boat as Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Good. But they picked that story, which is kind of funny, because it's the same God that um, does a few very interesting things in the Old Testament as well. Mm. Deuteronomy is full of it. Uh, the punishment for rape is um, your rapist has to marry you. Mm. Oh, yay. That mm. sounds like a tremendous future, mm. doesn't it? The person Happy who raped days. you now has the right to over and over again uh, for the rest of your life. Thank you very much. That was God's advice. It's in black and white. It's in Deuteronomy, people, if you want to look it up. All right. Now, uh, end of the world part two. Mind your vegan language. Oh, this was one of those ones where I actually swore. That I, it, I came across this on Instagram which is not often, you don't often um, react verbally. I don't, I wouldn't normally react verbally to an Instagram post, but it was one of those, uh, it was, you know, a sign of maybe that I was getting a bit old, mm. I sort of felt like, because the way I reacted was so grumpy old lady <laughs> that I was, yeah. So uh, this is from a vegan. Um, he's a vegan athlete, actually, this chap. Mm -hmm. And um, he has suggested that uh, we amend our language so that we use, uh, stop using anti-animal language. He's tagged Peter in this post, the, the protection of yeah. whatever that Peter, you know, don't eat animal Ethical people. treatment animals. Thank you. Um, so let me just go through the suggestions. Kill two birds with one stone, common parlance. Mm one would think. Uh, now, you're not allowed to say that anymore. Or so the I shouldn't say you're not allowed. The suggestion is to not say that anymore. And instead, say, feed two birds with one scone. Yeah, nice try. Um, instead of be the guinea pig, we should be saying be the test tube. Oh, right, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Instead of beat a dead horse, 
we should be saying feed a fed horse. It's flog a dead horse anyway. It's anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, instead, but the horse is dead. Exactly. Instead of bring home the bacon, it's bring home the bagels. Right. Mm. And instead of take the bull by the horns, this is really the kicker, take the flower by the thorns. Right. Well, I don't mind a vegan. In many ways, they may be doing some of the heavy lifting that some of the rest of us can't be asked because things taste so bloody good. Mm. But um, trying to alter things that are in the English language that have uh, such an ancient sort of tradition mm -hmm. and taking it that particularly seriously and then coming up with some suggestions which aren't going to fly. Good luck. Feed a fed horse, I mean. Feed, feed a fed horse. Mm. What do, what does Peter, P-E-T-A, mm. what do they think if they want to get rid of, like, farming because milk is rape? Mm. Um, do they say that? Yeah. Oh, OK, yeah. Milk is rape. <clears throat> um, these are domesticated animals. They can't exist without us. Is it a slow phase out or something? Or, or what's going to happen? Um, I should bring one up and ask. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should. Because domesticated think, animals cannot exist without us. No, I think it's more about breeding them for that purpose. So there's got to be, there'd have to be a period of transition back to one cow per person. Right, but, but even that's awful. What, yeah, they don't want one cow per person. They don't. They want no cows. Well, I don't know. I, I'm, look, the thing I, I worry about. I don't think they about, don't want no cows. That was terrible English. <laughs> I don't think... Their goal is no cows, but I take your point. What's the where deal? is the cow gonna? Where is the cow gonna go? Yeah, is it just gonna eat and die of old age and stuff? You gotta milk it and and overfed udders. Yeah. Well, it's gonna have a calf. Right. That'll need its milk. We could speculate till nine thirty on this one. We could. Mm. I reckon you should get a Peter. Yeah. Anyway, what's gonna happen to them? Uh, all right. Um, Oh, and yeah, Kevin Hart, uh, still while we're on the outrage thing. Oh, yes. Yeah, the um, comedian mm. not doing the Oscars mm. because of... He's only about two inches taller than me. Did you know that? No, He's really, really short. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, this is the news. I have made the choice to step down. Oh, yeah, this is um, the tweet uh, about um, not doing the Oscars because of a past indiscretion where he made some awful... Um, comments about gay people. Yeah, he's made a series of, of pretty awful, pointed yeah. comments about gay pe people. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. I have made the choice to step down from hosting this year's Oscars. This is not his real voice. <laughs> this is because I do not want to be a distraction on a night that should be celebrated by so many amazing, talented artists. Hart's resignation as Oscar host comes after critics called out his past homophobic sentiments, including a 2011 tweet where he wrote, If my son comes home and tries to play with my daughter's dollhouse, I'm going to break it over his head and say in my voice, Stop, that's gay. Hart first responded to the backlash on Instagram directly to his 66 million followers, claiming he's already addressed the controversy. Guys, I'm almost 40 years old. If you don't believe that people change, grow, evolve as they get older, I don't know what to tell you. So I just got a call from the Academy, and um, 
that call basically said, Kevin, apologize for your tweets of old, or we're going to have to move on and find another host. Talking about the tweets from 2009, 2010. I chose to pass. I passed on the apology. Okay, he passed on the apology, but mm. then he eventually did apologise uh, for a second time about the mm. previous indiscretions. At which point, uh, uh, sorry, after he, he apologised after the Academy had moved on and, and yeah. released him as the host. Mm. Now, the issue is, let's be very clear, the Academy was aware of his past indiscretions at the point that they hired him. Mm-hmm. Yep, and the it thing is... Only Q outrage sting. Yes. That prompted their demand yeah. for his apology. Yeah. Well, that is some rubbish. How long does it take? It was nine years ago. Mm. And I, I said, yes, people can change. And I'd celebrate that mm. if he'd changed his point of view from back then to um, a, a better one today. Uh, and but... surely in the hiring, they could have in the current climate of PR, PR, and everybody's worried about yeah. all the things, yeah. they could have said, we know that he has had some indiscretions around homophobic slurs, whatever. Mm. However, we have had these discussions. We are confident that X, Y, Z. Mm. Now, that would have really been hanging their head on something. Instead, they've hung him out dry. Now... The guy's the richest comedian in the world. He doesn't need to be hosting the Oscars, no. to be perfectly honest. And I don't think that it's going to make a difference to the 40 million or however many people it is that he has following him on Twitter. 60 million. 60 million. He, he sells out sport, you know, Mount Smart Stadium style stadium tours as a comedian. He's... He's bigger than the Oscars, mm. to be perfectly honest, who actually could have used him because they need the variety of ratings. Anyway... I agree with you. How long does somebody need to be apologising for? Yeah. And if there's something, an indiscretion, no matter where it was in your life, um, it's an immediate red card. Mm. Whoa. Well, the people complaining that make this happen um, must have pretty perfect lives. Um, there's been some quite good comedian responses oh, to his quitting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, just on Twitter, I can't quote okay. them to you because they're probably not safe for radio, but they are amusing. I think it's, it should be celebrated that he can change and people can, yeah. which would be good. Yeah. All right. Oh, some light relief. Eight out of ten cats, the very, very popular um, game show hosted by Jimmy Carr, uh, and featuring various British comedians and personalities. It's very funny. Um, they've combined it with the most iconic game show out of Britain ever, Countdown, and they've meshed the two together. And I'd just like to say, I, I, this is basically just sharing. I thought, what kind of boring nonsense is this going to be? Is this a jump-the-shark moment? It is transformed into... A piece of surrealist television. It's astounding. Can and we do that here? Wouldn't it be nice? With University Challenge and the Krypton Factor? Oh, yeah. That would be tremendous. Oh, hey, that's my idea. Yeah. TV producers. Mm. Nobody steal that. My Kitchen Rules with Mastermind. That'd hey, be good. That'd be good. How about that? We're full of it. We should be in the programming department. Um, and it's just an amazing thing. It's very, very funny. You don't know what's going to happen next, 
there's barely a rhyme or reason for why anybody's doing anything. <laughs> it's full of too many people, but it seems just right. And everyone is just nuts. And the unexpected happens. And it's just preposterous. Uh, and it's a good thing. And it's on Friday nights. Talking about the tweets in 2009. No, oh, where was that? I've got eight out of ten. Where's the eight out of ten cats? Here we go. Oh, yes, number seven. Here we go. Pardon me. Did you know, for example, Two things are playing there at once. And with Tom, of course, it's Susie Dance. So Susie Dent's the person, the brainiac, that looks up all the words mm. uh, for Countdown. She checks the anagrams and she's just amazing. But they are so loose and hard out, I just think, thank you, Britain. Yes. Susie's written 13 books. They say everyone's got one good book inside them, so fingers crossed for the next one, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> now, when was the last time you saw a word and you didn't know what it meant? All the time, especially if it's rude. Show me anything in the Urban Dictionary, and normally I have to ask Rachel what it means. <laughs> I liked it when you asked, why is it called teabagging? Yeah. <laughs> teabagging. Didn't get that one. <laughs> and then, didn't I say I was so hungry you'd find me munching the carpet? <laughs> OK. Very well, nicely arrived at was a sexual compliment in Victorian times. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you arrived at that very well. Yes. <laughs> so it's weird and wild. A train comes through the set um, at one stage and no one knows why. So there it is. Eight out of ten cats meets Countdown is an outrageous success. OK. Uh, I think we best take a short break mm. uh, and we'll return very short with more media stick. Uh, we've got a couple of great New Zealand accents today. First one is... Uh, disability Kapahaka, which was a very heartening, lovely story uh, on the news this week. Well, for us, it's not about how good you are or whether you're in sync or coordinated. It's more about the way to are for us. Curiosity not only killed the cat, it spawned a whole radio show. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. You know, the hearing aid ads, you might have heard one in that break. You really want them just to yell, don't you? Mm. That's what I think. Mm. She's speaking very clearly. She's speaking and slowly and clearly, definitely. Good, but come on. We've got hearing aids! That's what you want to hear. Yeah. Really? Oi! It's kind of almost like an inbuilt test. If they yelled and you had to turn the volume down, yeah. then you don't need one. No, no, of course. And so if you if it sounded normal, then yeah. you might need to call us. And for the rest of us, if you don't need a hearing aid, that's okay. Let them yell. Because yeah. there are deaf people that need to be yelled at. That's right. In order just to get them to hear anything. Okay. Now, Douglas Murray is a journalist and I think he's pretty sharp on a lot of things. Um it, this was part of a Pangburn philosophy panel of smart Alex, like Sam Harrison, you like, and Margie Nawaz. And I just thought it, he nailed something to do with politicians I've been wanting to uh, express. He's just so eloquent at it. I think it's self-explanatory. Here is Douglas Murray. What is the problem for politics? 
in all of our countries at the moment. It's, it, what has produced this backlash in politics? It's that we've had a generation of politicians who can never say anything meaningful in front of people. I spend a certain amount of my life on shows with politicians, and I know basically you see it in their eyes. Yeah. The aim is to survive the next half hour <laughs> without plausibly or otherwise being accused of racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, or something else. And you can see it in the other politicians. There's no meaningful win. The hope is that the other person says something which allows you to say, I think that's quite offensive to X group of people. And then the person goes, oh, no. And then they're on the ropes, and you've got them. And if you get enough other people, you destroy them, and they're dead. And but, but the point is, is, is that this is why politics is going bad, because you can't tell any truth to that kind of audience. Now, the problem is, if down from politicians, or, or up from politicians, maybe, you have the same effect, that the rest of the world also suffers the problem that politicians have of how to speak to everyone all the time. Interestingly, um, I watched the Russell Brand, there's a new Netflix special, stand-up, mm. that he's done. And he says something quite similar about politicians in his very exuberant Russell Brandish kind of way. Mm -hmm. But he also... so He's, he's the idiot's thinking man, really. He, he really is the idiot's thinking man. and he So he's basically saying they're always saying things that they need to say but nothing particularly truthful. Yeah. But, but that... Implicit in that is also that those of us who are listening to it are part of the ruse. So we know that everything that's coming out of their mouths is rubbish. So you vote Trump. That's just what he's saying. Mm. Yeah, this is what happens. Mm. Um, no matter how odious, it's that, oh, at least you know he means it mm -hmm. sort of thing. And it's that, um, th that's what he was trying to explain, how the, I suppose, the phrase is the rise in populism has come from the fake of, yeah. of other politicians. Yeah, artifice is problematic. Yeah, mm. yeah. All right. Um, just... Oh. Have you heard about the United Nations Migration Pact thing? There was a little bit, not been much on it no. in the news. Uh, countries are being asked to sign, um, saying uh, it's a response to refugee crises. Um, and... 193 countries are gathering in, gathering in Marrakech in Morocco on Monday and Tuesday uh, to submit intentions or to sign up to this thing. And it means there are some worrying things in it. Uh, they want organised migration, but it makes no difference between... Uh, no discernment between illegal immigration mm. and legal immigration. Mm. And here's the clincher which we should be. It's chilling and we should be worried about and why I don't think you should sign something that says criticism of any immigration mm. is now a hate crime. Ow. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be having that. I'm just surprised it hasn't made much news. Mm. Is anyone just worried about, oh, we're going just, to sign um, this thing, and by, by the way, if you criticise it, it's now a hate crime. Let Jordan Peterson know. He'll talk about it, then it'll become yeah. the news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it will. <laughs> the Dutch, a uh, few Dutch politicians are kind of worried about it anyway. We'll let one uh, Dutch politician, he's uh, six foot eight, looks Dutch, <laughs> talk about it. Um, with regard to this global Sounds compact Dutch. on migration and the participating countries are set to sign this agreement. And one basic element of this new agreement 
is the extension of the definition of hate speech. The agreement want to criminalize migration speech. Criticism of migration will become a criminal offense. And media outlets, and that also concerns you, that give room to criticism of migration can be shut down. Now there's a worry. That is a worry. Mm. I was also slightly distracted by the fact that he sounded a bit like the Swedish chef. Oh, yeah. From the Muppets. If the Swedish chef was Dutch and talking about migration. Anyway. But how come so many countries are just thrilled and think this is a marvellous thing? Yeah, let's sign this. No one will be able to criticise immigration anymore and not be accused of a hate crime. It's problematic. It is rather problematic. Um, so can be... Oh, I just want to tell people. We're going to have a game of Truth or Consequences. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got a big flash book. That'll be in the next stanza. Oh, look at it. Before 9 o'clock. Yeah, lovely, isn't it? Mm. Mike Lee's written it. That Mike Lee from Waiheke Island. Yeah. Mike, Mike Lee, the councillor. Looks lovely. I don't know why he's got such a thing about um, navigators and naturalists, the French exploration of New Zealand and the South Seas, 1769 to 1824. It's a big, fat, flash coffee mm. table book, mm. beautifully made. So that will be the prize on offer. All right. Uh, Pooh Kekos. Yes. So I stumbled across this. This was on Stuff this week. A uh, story called, of course, Caught My Eye. Pukeko Geddon mm. was the headline. Auckland family terrorised by breeding birds. Opening line. The Haka family often find themselves woken by the squawking of seven or so pukeko. Basically, their property's been overrun. They're in Sandringham. They've got a lot of pukeko. The pukeko are breeding. They should be happy with the pukeko and sandring, and that's kind of getting cool. a bit aggro though, because protecting around the nest, right? Oh, so yeah. the nest is by the fence. Da, da 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 da. Now, as stuff does, because video is the only place that you make money in the media these days. Mm. There's always a video, and they, so you watch that. There's no audio. There's, sorry, there's no dialogue in this particular video. But what really struck me when you listen, when you had the headline pukeko Geddon, Auckland family family terrorised by breeding birds. And then this was the soundtrack. Imagine this video has the um, the property owner going down inside the fence with the birds, etc. And this is oh yeah, Satan is a pukeko. Yeah, Satan is a pukeko. I mean, honestly, <laughs> well, that's beautiful. Amused me. Mm. Um, they've obviously been going hard on the the music library at stuff with that little piece. I, I did enjoy it. Favourite headline of the week? Um, oh, goodness me. This Other than God wrongfully impregnated the Virgin that's Mary. That's not bad. I mean, cheapers. Why do people experience phantom rectum? What? Why do people experience <laughs> phantom rectum? This is on the BBC uh, site, and I thought, well, come on. You've gone it's like the next Star Wars movie, the <laughs> phantom rectum. <laughs> You've gone full Chris Morris on this. It can't be true. But when I read it, it made perfect sense. People with um, colostomy bags, what do they call them? Stomas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
they have phantom rectum. It feels as like things are happening down there. Oh, when but it's actually not. Actually, they're not. Yeah. Oh. Um, so that's what phantom rectum is. But the tremendous title, which ended up being yeah, quite informative in the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, podcasts. Uh, you've got a couple that yes. have well, had I, impact in the real world. Yeah, well, I, you know, podcasts are just the thing, aren't they? They just have taken over the universe. Um, but, the, and especially true crime podca- podcasts seem to be just a dime a dozen these days, and some of them are really crappy now. These two were, I stumbled across them a while back, but this week both had quite major breakthroughs. So Trace is a podcast. Um, I think the common thread with both of these is that the, the they've been put together by real live journalists and who've done some real live investigati- investigation and some really good thorough work. So Trace is um, a, run by a woman called Rachel Brown who's the journalist, and it focuses on the murder of an Australian mother, Maria James, um, who was killed. She had two sons, um, and there's a, a story thread in this murder plot around the fact that one of her sons, who had cerebral palsy, among other disabilities, was abused by a Catholic priest. So there's a, there's a the theory is that the local priest potentially was involved in her murder. Mm-hmm. So this week... The coronial, there's a coronial inquest has been, the case has been reopened by the uh-huh. coroner off the back of the evidence that has been, um, that was uncovered by this podcast. Sorry. Have you got a little bit to play? Yeah, here we go. A little trailer or something? Mrs. James, the mother of two boys aged 13 and 11, was attacked while speaking to her former Maria husband, James was murdered at the back of her bookshop on a winter's day in Melbourne. Mrs. James was stabbed 68 times in both the front and back and had three gashes in the skull. We begin this podcast on the 37th anniversary of her death. Her murder has never been found. This is Trace. It's a bizarre killing where a woman was tied uh, by her hands and it seemed uh, he's possibly a person who's uh, somewhat a sexual maniac. It was difficult for me. I know they've got limited resources, but it does make you wonder sometimes uh, that, you know, the police... Uh, journalists do this, I know, frequently. Yeah. They can they can get things going. Absolutely. And I think in particular in Melbourne, there was a period of time, especially around the, the Catholic Church, where there were um, a, a number of members within the police force, senior members of the police force, who were actively protecting priests who were abusing children. Oh, holy mackerel. And so there's a there's a big kind of, uh, uh, you know, co- uh, cover-up cover yep. potentially involved in this as well, which is also poten- why, why the okay. investigation may not have been quite as thorough. Anyway, that's a really good one. And uh, so the inquest has been opened, still at this point unsolved, but mm-hmm. really good progress. The other one that... Um, uh, is also a really great listen. It's called The Teacher's Pet, and that is also about the murder of a mother of two, mm-hmm. common thread, unfortunately, uh, in the Sydney Northern Beaches in the 80s. So I think these are both set in the 80s, actually, and that has resulted in an arrest this mm-hmm. week. Okay. Well, it just feels like a decision that's against the interests of the victim and the families and in favour of the alleged perpetrator. Lynette Dawson was reported missing by her husband, former Newtown Jets rugby league star Chris Dawson. 
I just don't believe for a moment that she left us voluntarily and then stayed away all of this time. two inquests into Mrs Dawson's suspected murder and despite both coroners recommending that charges be laid against a known person, the Director of Public Prosecutions believes there's not enough evidence. She had bruising on her body when we told this lady that she'd done people to wear her husband. Gosh, Ozzy does murder as well, doesn't it? It just it seems does. that it evens, uh, it meddles in, for, for serial killers as well. Mm. It's always shallow greys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so much bush. Yeah, a lot of open space, quite hot. And the madness of the heat and the flatness. That's, yeah, 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 that's what I mean. It's hot, yeah. big open spaces. Um, that one is uh, been, has been put together, researched by a journalist called Hedley Thomas. It's mm -hmm. phenomenally well investigated. He did a lot of work, both... Both uh, those journalists did a lot of work with the police mm -hmm. and it has, as I say, resulted in an arrest. The interesting thing, which I actually read on The Guardian a little while ago, is that there's now... That podcast was um, downloaded 28 million times. Whoa! M majority in Australia. Mm -hmm. And so there's now a question about whether the guy can actually get a fair trial because they're saying, how do you find 12 jurors who haven't listened to the podcast? Which oh, is basically right. pointing the finger. Yeah. Interesting, eh? Ask them, have you heard the podcast? No. Yeah. Easy to get off that jury duty, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, I juiced up in a Ku Klux Klan outfit and um, when I turned up for jury duty, they said, no, you'll do. <laughs> I was unbelievable. I could not get out of jury duty. Really? Yeah, Greg McGee was on the jury duty with me as well and he got off because he, I don't know, had to feed the dog or something. <laughs> Oh, couldn't believe it. It was two weeks of utter hell. Was it? The lawyer was insane, absolutely insane. I couldn't believe what Look, I was hearing. I, I'm going to put this out there right now. What? I got called up for jury duty and I was living in Melbourne, but mm. I was still on the electoral roll, right? So I got called up in Auckland and I, I wrote back to them and said, I'm really sorry, I can't actually be there because I live in Melbourne. This is a few years ago. And I've never been asked back and I'd really like to do it. Oh, well... Uh, I'm, I was glad that I did, had the experience, but it was just stupid. This lawyer was just so insane. He kept a, a thing that should have lasted an afternoon going for two weeks. Couldn't uh. believe it. It was an animal cruelty thing. Uh. It wasn't big, bad. Oh, see, I wouldn't be good at that. Yeah. I'd um, be kicked off the animal cruelty one. I, 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 yeah, I'd do anything. I'd do, like, white-collar stuff. I'll so I did... I, I, I obeyed the rules and didn't look this up anything plea. about... In, anything about the um, the case or the lawyer or anything, but as soon as the case ended, at long, Jesus, last, um, <laughs> I looked him up, and he's everywhere. Oh. I, I looked him, and the judge says, Mr. Orloff, you are... Uh, um, a, your own worst enemy. Mm. Uh, all sorts of things like that. Mm. And we had a hung jury because one of the jurors just wouldn't be shifted because he'd made a pact with himself. Oh. Yeah, so that took about three days of wringing his neck, basically, oh. while we had sandwiches. Nice sandwiches? We all think she's guilty except you. Oh, oh I just can't do it. Oh. Come on! Anyway, sorry. It's all about me. <laughs> but, yeah. 
So there's a, there's a good piece on The Guardian about the Teacher's Pet podcast and whether the dude can get a fair trial. But both yeah, of those. Yeah. So Trace is the first one, Teacher's Pet is the second one. Thank you. And uh, Countdown Meets Eight and a Half Cats is amazing. <laughs> All right. Nine... Those are our recommendations yeah, for the week. 9.30 uh, Friday nights. And you spotted a bit of nonsense here. Oh, honestly. So Variety has tweeted a thing. This is actually off the back of the Kevin Hart. We could have done that around then. Variety's tweeted a, 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 an announcement which says, hashtag Golden Globes host Sandra Oh is the first Asian person to host any awards show, comma, ever. That is a direct quote. Now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But do you think in China and Japan and Hong Kong and Taiwan, and even let's go into the other part of Asia, like... Korea? Korea, and even further across to the to the other bit, like what the UK calls Asia, which is England and Pakistan oh, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Do you not think that some of them might have hosted some bloody awards? Never. No, she's the first one. They don't just, They don't have awards. They never heard of awards. They never heard of music. They, <laughs> they just don't do it. Uh, everything centres around the United States, and she is the first Asian person to ever do anything <laughs> like that ever. To ever oh, God's sake. awards ever. Yeah. There's something... People are just so obsessed around the, pol the the politics and culture, even more than usual, um, with the United States. And sometimes you feel like you're living there, but you're not. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, uh, get me out of this American centrist. Mm. All right. Thank you so much, Tamar. And we'll see you next week? Yes, indeed. Oh, lay. Here's our second New Zealand accent of the week. Oh, if you want to call now, or you're not going to have long to play, which means you'll probably win. 0800 844 747. 0800 844 747. For truth or consequences, just answer the various statements. True or false, here's our New Zealand accent from Tokoroa this time, a Tokoroa League fan. It lifts uh, the morale of the young kids, and they can they got someone to look at, eh? Life, the universe, and everything in between. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless yeah, yeah, on we Radio know. Live. Hello there, we've been waiting for you. It's time to play Truth or Consequences. Okay, good day, Tony. Good evening. Uh, you know how to play the game? Just answer true or false? Uh, yes, heard okay. of it before. Um, the Beach Boys released a song by Charles Manson. False. No, true. Here it is. Here we are. It's got a slow start, but, um, still a murderous ending. Not all bad. Um, no, there's a friend of Dennis Wilson's, and um, yeah, he thought the song was great. This is before the uh, murders, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is that Charlie Manson you're talking about. Yeah, Charles, Charles Manson, oh, swastika right. on the forehead. Um, although he didn't actually kill anyone, did he? He didn't kill anyone. People no, say, oh, someone else to do it. That was actually one of my grievances. When you see shows about um, uh, serial killers or things like that, they're the worst 
evil people in history. And they'll always have Charles Manson there. When you think about it, he actually didn't kill anyone. So, uh, yeah. Hey, thanks, Tony. All righty. Good day, Chris. How are you? Good. Oh. Let's go. Charles Manson auditioned to be a monkey. As in, hey, hey, weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that'd be a false one. Correct. He was in jail when they were doing the uh, auditions for the monkeys. Stephen Stills tried to be a monkey, though. Um, I knew that. Didn't make it. Didn't have a long enough tail. OK. Uh, that's one to you, one to me. Uh, Jim Morrison of The Doors was born in Melbourne. Truth. Correct. Melbourne, Florida. Not Melbourne, Victoria. Well done. You knew that, didn't you? I remember it. OK, all right. Um, the Easter Island statues have got notices on them saying, please do not rock or push as falling statues may cause death or injury. False. Correct. Well done. <laughs> yeah, that's three. Oh, you've probably won the book already, but we'll just keep playing on, shall we? Why not? Good. The first television advertisement advertised televisions. Television. Uh, truth. No, it's Let's false. Um, uh, what was it? The first... No, it was Bulova Watchers. But when you think about it, it really should be um, the first advertisement, shouldn't it? Oh, I'm watching a television. Yeah, why not? Why oh, not? no, but if you're watching it on a television... Um, you've probably you've got a got television. One. You've already got one. But well, then... no, you probably didn't back then. You were probably around with the neighbours. Yeah. You, you were gathered around the village what we did. television. Yeah. My physics teacher had the... Um, they got a, a refrigerator. They lived in an isolated community. He lived in an isolated community. Way the hell and gone in Scotland called Achel Tibui. And they got a refrigerator before they had electricity. And the village used to come around and watch the fridge. <laughs> Hey, thinking about Charlie Manson, I don't suppose Hitler killed anyone either. Did he? No, we... Oh, World War One. Yep. Uh, yep. He was actually probably. reasonably he distinguished in, in the field. Yeah, he got gassed. Yeah, yeah. Probably, although it's really hard to tell if you've got them or not, because a lot of other people are having a crack at it at the same time. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, well, there you go. Um, you've got the book. Thank you. Well done. Apologies to... Anthony and Roger and Paul for not getting to you. I do appreciate you hanging in there uh, to make the game fun. Anyway, Chris, you've got the book coming your way. Thank you very much. It's nine o'clock. News time.